Welcome to Game Dev Story. This is an interview show about developers in the industry, both veteran and indie developers, and why they make games. Today, we're honored to have Al Lowe on the show. Al's games mean a lot to me. Art is about moving us. There's a few games I had more uh, emotional reactions to, whether humor really fascinated with like what was happening with Sierra Online in the 90s. So I think these are testaments to adventure storytelling in games and how you could kind of build a world around a character. So no better subject than that. Thank you so much for joining us. Al, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Can we start from the beginning? There are generational differences that make it interesting, of course, uh, compared to other uh, developers that might come on the show. There might not have been computers around, and there was a whole different context for how you access video games and development. Can you tell us about your path? Sure. I was a music major in college, and uh, what better field to go into than video games? (laughs) (laughs) It made no no sense. Uh, uh, I guess, in a way, uh, electronics were always an interest with me. I, mm-hmm. I started out as a musician, and therefore, I needed a PA system, and I was too poor to buy one. So I found some speakers, and I got some plywood, and I built cabinets and speakers, and I bought a microphone, and I needed a cable. So I wired a cable. I learned how to solder and uh, you know, I just did all those geeky things uh, back in the day. Uh, so when computers came along, it feel, felt right to um, uh, uh, jump in because it, it just seemed like the, the perfect adjunct to all that stuff. And and I've always enjoyed making things. And what I realized was with a computer, I could make anything I could think of. Um, uh, programming became a, a, a tool to me to tell stories. And that's what I love doing. What was the impetus of that? Like, when did you first sit down and and design something on a computer? What was it for? Um, I went to a, uh, one of the very first educational computing conferences. Hmm. And uh, the state of the software there was horrible. It was just... (laughs) It's just wretched. Uh, and, and I um, I said, it was so bad, I said, well, God, I can do better than that. Uh, <laughs> so, so I went home and researched. And at the time, Sierra, which was then online systems, hmm. um, Sierra was announcing and advertising a, a package called The Artist, which hmm. would enable you to take the graphics routines that they used, allegedly, uh, and uh, use them yourself on your Apple II. Mm. And so I thought, that's what I want to do. But I waited around a while, and it never shipped. It wasn't done. <laughs> and so uh, uh, Mark Pelzarski, back in Illinois, uh, was an, another school teacher who uh, uh, started a company and uh, wrote code. And he created a thing called the Graphics Magician, which mm. was essentially the same thing, except it was working and shipping. And therefore, I went with that. So I used his um, graphic routines, and then I just wrote a program that would. Uh, well, it's kind, of, <laughs> it's kind of. I don't know how deep you want to get into the weeds on this, but as much as you'd like. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I looked at it and said, "Oh, I want to tell stories, and therefore, we need. I need some way to tell the story, but I don't want to write code every time I do it." So the first thing I did was write a database manager that 
that would take the the input for an adventure game and um, uh, enable somebody to write a game and then run separately. So I separated the data from the code, I guess is what, you know, the old saw is. Um, and uh, therefore, I didn't have to write everything specifically. I could just use, and I made up a bunch of opcodes on my own. I didn't know mm. what an opcode was, but but I figured, well, there's got to be these functions. And so I'll just use a number for that. And um, I, I would stick a number in. And I guess the brilliant thing that I did, although it's kind of scary now, is that um, uh, I looked up, I, I stored the addresses in memory of all these different subroutines. And then I used a go-to statement. And then uh, <laughs> from a lookup table, inserted the address of the function I wanted to use into mm. the code itself. So oh, cool. <laughs> go to, yeah, it was go to and then blank. And then there was a, a the address of the code that was going to run. So, yeah, I, I wrote self-modifying code. <laughs> uh, uh, and you got to understand, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Sure. It just seemed like an efficient way to do something. And then I found out later, oh, that's a big no-no. But I feel like there's a kind of musicality in everything you do, whether it's in comedy. I believe that comedy follows like a note structure, like, uh, um, you know, um, a stimulus and a response, or there's like a music to code. Do you feel like that you've implemented something that you've learned? Of course, like Leisure Suit Larry has that incredible theme, but um, do you feel like you combine your passions or that it's compositionally similar? I do, yeah. Um, I, I really think that, uh, uh, <laughs> well, when I started, I thought that I was too late. Mm. I remember telling my wife, oh, you know, I should have had a degree in math or, you know, uh, I should have taken a computer science class or something. <laughs> sure. um, and uh, all the guys who are going to do well in this field are math majors. And, but, and, well, that was far from the true. What, what, what I had was the humanities. I had mm. the background in storytelling. I was, because I was a musician, I had uh, played and conducted uh, orchestras for um, musicals and things. Well, by, by doing that, I understood staging and blocking and lighting. And all those things from my background all of a sudden came to... Hell, I, I was a marching band director for a long time. What is, what is a, a, a marching band except a bunch of pixels moving around on a 100-yard wide screen? Sure. You know, it was uh, all building up to this uh, new career for me that I didn't know existed at the time, of course. But yeah. yeah. Uh, could you give us like your inside perspective on working on Sierra Online, what it was like when you knew that you were kind of transitioning to making your own games? What was that moment like for you? Well, um, I didn't know what to do or how to do it. So I just blindly went off and created three games uh, mm. by myself and uh, went to a computer show, the last Apple Fest, oh. uh, 19, <laughs> I guess it was November of 82. And right. uh, at that show, we, we ran a little 10 by 10 foot booth and, and, and spent a lot of our monthly income like maybe a whole month's income 
buying this booth at this trade show for a weekend uh, on the hope that we would sell some games. And what happened was we sold the games to Ken Williams, and uh, he then sold thousands of games for us. But uh, uh, but it ended up being the, the um, impetus to, to um, create more games. When he uh, bought the products that I had made, um, he said, "You will make more. You make more products, and I'll sell these for you. Don't worry about these." Hmm. And so that's what I did. I started making more and more games. So I worked for Ken for six months, and then Sierra got in hard times, oh, and he yeah. called all the programmers in, and he said, "I'm going to make you an offer. Uh, I want you." to um, go home and work on the projects that you're working on, except I'm not going to pay you a salary. Instead, mm. I'm going to pay you in advances against future royalties. And he said, mm. my accountant tells me that, like the movie business, I can write that off as an expense. Um uh, I'm sorry, rather than writing off your salary as an expense, I can write off advances against future profits as a prepaid asset and that therefore the books will look a lot better. And I was, you know, I was, but (laughs) I was, but a primitive (laughs) caveman school teacher. (laughs) And, um, I, I I looked at him, I said, well, wait, so you're going to give me more money for doing the same thing, but I won't get a salary every month. I'll get a big check up front. Mm. That's right. I said, okay, have I just been fired? And he said, yeah. (laughs) And I said, great. So I went home and worked my ass off. And that became the relationship I kept with the company for 16 years. I was an outside contractor. I uh, worked on uh, advances against future royalties. And and then at a certain point, um, well, actually at Leisure Suit Larry, uh, the company was in financial trouble again. Mm. And uh, he didn't have a lot of cash on hand. So he said, look, I want you to do this game. But uh, if you'll do it on spec and I don't have to pay you any advances, Mm. then I can give you a much higher percentage of the royalties. And I said, oh, okay, well, I like more money. And uh, so what a larger percentage? Okay, I'll do that. So I worked on Larry and still working. And we had some savings, you know. Hmm. So I thought, well, this will be all right. So when the game shipped and Larry was the first product in the history of the company, um, I just, I, I came home said to Margaret, oh, hell, we, you know, I've wasted six months of my life. Oh. Uh, oh, this game is not going to oh, sell. Man. It's horrible, and we don't have any money. So uh, the Police Quest team was in trouble, and they said, yeah. we need a programmer on that. And so I went to work on the Police Quest, uh, Police Quest 1, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, swung them around. So they got we shipped that game by Christmas. But in the meantime, uh, Larry was selling by word of mouth. Uh, Sierra never put any um, marketing or sales effort behind the game. They Mm. were kind of ashamed of it, I think. Um, At the time, you know, Radio Shack was uh, a third of Sierra's sales. 
Yeah, um, I picked him up at Radio Shack myself. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody did. Yeah. They were the biggest retailer, and therefore they were our biggest customer. Well, you know what that means, right? They got the biggest discount. Mm. And so people who bought uh, uh, copies that we sold to Radio Shack uh, earned us just a little bit of money, whereas copies we sold to other sources made more money. Mm. Well, Radio Shack took, well, not Radio Shack, the guys who were in charge of evaluating software at Radio Shack Right. Took one look at Larry and said, oh, my God, <laughs> our CEO is a born-again Christian, and uh, uh, he's going to die if we put this you know, in the shop to test it, let alone put it in the stores on our shelves. Uh, so they just ignored the game completely. Well, what happened was when the game got out and word of mouth spread, uh, people couldn't buy it at Radio Shack, right. and therefore pay us just a little bit of money. Instead, they had to buy it someplace else where we got paid more money. It mm. was an interesting, weird anomaly, but uh, but it worked out to my advantage because uh, I had taken a, a large royalty uh, on it and there had mm. been no advances, and therefore I got a big share of the money. So that was <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, I don't know if people remember, like you went to the uh, chain stores to get your console games and Radio Shack for your PC Apple games. It was yeah. a different time of sales and, and market reality. Um, okay, what do you feel like makes a Sierra game design good? Like, why are these games so memorable and charming even to this day? Well, I think a big reason, and I won't say the only reason, but I think one of the big reasons is Ken Williams allowed us to let our personalities come through the games. So when you play Police Quest, you by the time you finish, you'll have a taste of what Jim Walls was like. Sure. But, you know, if you've played Larry, you kind of know me. If you played Roberta's games, you could tell what Roberta... I, I think we we'll, he allowed us to uh, exert a personality. And I think the best books, movies, games, whatever... Uh, do that. You know, when things are created by a, a giant corporate machine and uh, cranked out of the cookie cutter, um, you, you, you're going to get Oreos, I guess, <laughs> instead of a, of a custom made product. And it's, it's, I think that's a big difference. Sure. Um, who was the best designer there, if you're willing to say? Well, it wasn't me because I didn't know anything about it. I mean, <laughs> Um, gosh, I, the best designer, well, would you measure that by sales? If so, that would be Roberta. Uh, um, if you, if you measure it by storytelling or writing ability, hmm. I think it would be Jane Jensen. Um, it, maybe it, that's what's so appealing, right? Is that you have these different avenues that you could get what you want from Sierra. Well, yeah, I, I mean, and, and Space Quest. Oh, I love Space Quest. It was Me hilarious. <laughs> but if you played those games, you know what Scott and Mark are like. I mean, that's <laughs> their personalities come through that product, and and uh, yeah. So I so I don't know who was the best designer. Yeah, I I don't know, but uh, I learned. I think mm -hmm. you know. I mean, at, at every game I did, I tried to. Um, uh, improve myself and 
and not make the same mistakes again. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it took a while. None of us, knew. you got to understand, nobody knew what we were, understood what we were doing. We were You're all creating it. Yeah. Well, yeah, we were in the dark. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I had played games, hmm. but um, gosh, a lot of the games that were out back then were just terrible. That's and, true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think I improved as I went along. You can feel the sense of iteration as you go. I mean, Leisure Suit Larry one and seven are my favorites because I have the initial experience, and then those are the two I kind of trace back and was like, yes, I have the strongest memories of these two games. Um, uh, you, because you see, like the final iteration on seven, or uh, you know, I mean, the numerology broke there, but. Uh, um, those are two of my favorite Sierra games in general. Uh, which games that you worked on are closest to your heart? And do you have like a moment that's that you feel is your best design or or your best joke even? Oh, I, uh, seven for yeah. sure. Yeah, I seven's think, very but, funny. Yeah, it it was. Um, uh, well, just like we got to use a real musicians you know we by that point we were done with midi and we were we hired uh uh, uh five musicians and set up in a hollywood recording studio and we recorded actual players playing music uh that for me was a thrill i was so sick of hearing midi beeps and boops um <laughs> that sure. uh that that was enjoyable for me i i i was very proud of the help system in larry seven Hmm. Uh, it didn't get a lot of notice in the reviews, but um, the game itself kept track of how long you were stuck on a particular score. Uh, it, it looked at your score, and if it hadn't advanced in a certain amount of time, it would start feeding you help messages via the PA system on the ship, which I thought was a I thought it was a clever way of uh, of uh, giving help to players that had not really noticing because it, we recorded all these PA announcements and mm -hmm. a lot of them were funny. But if you were stuck, they st suddenly started being pertinent to solving your current problem. Sierra Online famously had the uh, call-in system, the helpline. Um, uh, it's my understanding you were a part of forming that. Could you tell us about that? Well, um, yeah, I I didn't really help form the okay. hint line as much as I did the hint books. The hint books uh, is what it might have been, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I uh, uh, thought we were missing a lot of, uh, uh, of uh, interaction with people, and it always made me, um, uh, disappointed me that people mm -hmm. didn't finish our games that they were too difficult, they'd get stuck at a certain spot, and, and then they wouldn't see the rest of the game. And we worked hard on those games. I wanted people to get to see it all the way to the end, you know? Of course. <laughs> so um, I went to Ken, and I said, you know, Infocom has hint books. Why can't we have hint books? Sure. And he said, oh, no, no, that'll be, that's a terrible idea. It will uh, uh, cannibalize sales, and people won't be as happy. And uh, you know, they don't, they want to solve puzzles. And I said, "Well, yeah, maybe not everybody does." Hmm. I said, "How about if I publish the hint books? Then uh, <laughs> can I have permission to do that?" And he said, "Well, I'll tell you what. 
you write the books and I'll uh, pay for the printing and we'll split the money down the middle. And I said, okay, that sounds fair. Well, that was like <laughs> that was like the the best deal ever. What a deal! <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, but that was how we started. Was the original books were I, I created them, and then he paid to have them printed. Strategy uh, guys weren't really put out by the companies at that point, were they? I, uh, I don't remember no. them before then. No, and uh, yeah, it became a huge profit center, particularly on uh, Larry One, hmm. because. Um, uh, it was so widely pirated. Right. That, yeah. Uh, there, there was a time when we had sold more hint books than we had sold copies of the game. <laughs> that tells you what's happening there, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was there ever a game that you wanted to make that you were never able to? Well, sure. I mean, Torrens Passage mm. was um, a game that I did in the mid 90s. Uh, with the idea that it would become the family series for Sierra. Um, uh, uh, King's Quest was always family product, right. but Roberta got bored just making King's Quest, so she started making other games as well, and um, therefore there would be a King's Quest maybe every two years or maybe mm. every three years. And uh, Ken was disappointed if we had a Christmas and didn't have a family game. So he said, look, Roberta wants to do more adult things like Phantasmagoria. And uh, uh, do you want to do a family game? I said, yeah, sure. Let me do it. So start a series and uh, um, we'll put you out on the alternate Christmases with <laughs> King's Quest. So if there's no King's Quest, there'll be a torrent. Uh, okay, great. So that's what I did. I created a a, a, a storyline that I mm -hmm. thought would take uh, this character through his lifetime. And uh, the game that came out, Torin's Passage, uh, was actually part one of a five-part series. Mm. That I mean, w when I say, uh, I, 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 but. Let me rephrase that. I don't mean to imply that I had written five games. I, mm -hmm. It's just right. I had, had an idea. Yeah. I had a sketch. I had a I had a thought in mm -hmm. my head as to where <laughs> the other games would go. But uh, it was going to follow this guy through his entire life and eventually kill him off in the last game, and you let him die of old age. Well, and, okay. uh, uh, and I, I mean, I, you know, that didn't really happen in games. Then. No, so no, I, I, I hadn't seen that at that yeah, time. So I thought that would be a good um, uh, uh, storyline. And so uh, Ken agreed readily, and, and uh, uh, we did the first one. And then Ken lost the company. And, mm -hmm. uh, and suddenly we got in a guy who really didn't know anything about games. He had yeah. been selling cookies for Nabisco or crackers or something. Sure. Yeah. Back to Oreos, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um uh yeah, so the, that's when Sierra started its massive downhill slide into the uh <laughs> into the deck, you know. So. Do you know who owns the rights to the Sierra or Leisure Suit Larry games today? Um I do. Um okay. they through I think five or six different uh conglomerations and sales the uh, rights to the sierra products all ended up with activision oh 
Except, so now they're Microsoft properties, huh? Yeah, Possibly. Well, maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, except for Leisure Suit Larry. Hmm. And Larry got sold off to a company in um, Germany called Codemasters. Oh, so okay. Codemasters now owns the IP. Interesting. Including, <laughs> including me. Yeah. Because I put myself in the games. Right. So they Suddenly own I'm the intellectual likeness. property of Codemasters. I suppose if they made a new game, they could use your likeness in that way. They <laughs> could. Strange. Legally. And um, Ken Williams. Because all the people at Sierra that I put in as a joke, you yeah. know, to, to, and kind of to honor them, you know, uh, uh, suddenly now they're uh, intellectual property of some corporation in Germany. That's what I think drew me to the games in the early 90s, because while other things seem to come from corporations, it seemed like these games were made by people. And that's a big reason I want to interview to you today is because it's it was one of my realizations that people were at, you know, at home coding on a computer, creating these with the team. And uh, there were these individual parts. Um, I believe I interviewed you maybe like 10, I don't remember, like 10 years ago for like the Kickstarter game. I was at a like now defunct video game website and um, the messiness around that project. Do you ever think about rebooting or is that kind of the end of the line for your video game story? I think that's going to be the end. Yeah. I uh, uh, <laughs> was not happy no. with the way that uh, turned out and um, yeah, better to just let it go. I mean, and I have to admit um, retirement is highly underrated. <laughs> sure, I, you, you know they. All, I always heard as I was in working age. Uh, I always heard people say, "Oh, I don't know what I'd do if I retire. I would be so bored, and I love working and all that." And that's a big bunch of shit, you know. That's <laughs> that's <laughs> the reality. Is um, do you like Saturdays? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So in my yeah. life, every day is Saturday. <laughs> I know. Now you get to play. You know. You do you do saxophone three week, times a week? It's you said you had uh, groups come over and you play some music. That that sounds really beautiful, man. I have. Uh, I, I play lead alto in two big bands mm. um, every week, and I play uh, soprano saxophone in a saxophone quartet that plays uh, all variety of music, lots of classical. Mm -hmm saxophone and 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 uh jazz and pop and stuff too so yeah so it, it's fun i get to to play music a lot more now than i did before hmm, sure uh yeah do you feel like that's like the full circle like uh you you do the music but uh also was interested in your uh trains hobby i was uh looking at some of that and i see also the uh carryover from like game systems into you know that kind of technical understanding and it was just really fascinating to me well, uh, model railroading is uh, a, a hobby that includes a lot of things that I enjoy, like mm. electronics and electricity and carpentry, um, but also uh, designing and building a world and populating it with industries and people. And and, uh, um, and it allows me to I, – I have a few jokes, you know. I have some sure. humor on my uh, – model railroad but but also uh it, it's very similar to creating a universe in a game so i i think it it all makes sense why i like that i think 
you also seem very invested in the the comedy part. You have this like long lasting website. It's like one of these remnants of like these old uh, profiles for companies. You know, and now everything's like on the social medias. But that loses so much of the charm of that direct access. I think. Um, yeah, I um, I got grabbed allo.com early mm-hmm. on, and uh, a six letter domain is uh, a real, very rare now yeah a real treat these days but but uh yeah if anybody's interested in this and they've listened to me blab long enough here they should go to my website at allo.com and uh everything there is free i don't think i'm selling anything and i don't i'm not sure i even have ads anymore but i think mm. i think google i think there are ads <laughs> are there okay yeah I, I put i put up ads i remember but then google said oh you have nasty stuff on your site and we're gonna <laughs> cancel your ads so okay. i don't but you know, I don't care. I don't need the money, and whatever they paid wasn't that much anyway. So sure, so if I don't, but I, but my point is, I'm trying to uh, share with people um, uh, the way things were at Sierra back in the old days, and mm-hmm. uh, and also a lot of humor. I mean, I've always collected humor and enjoyed humor. And um, for example, I have a database there that you can access, and you just type in a few words like. You wouldn't Google, and it searches the database for jokes with those words in it. So you can find, um, you know, lawyer jokes or blonde jokes or or whatever kind of jo- Viagra jokes, I guess. It's incredible uh, because it's like design documents for some of the, like, the most influential games, but also blonde well, jokes. Well, that's the other it's side so of it. I also have the, the, the Sierra side where mm-hmm. I have stories about the old days and things that we did back then, but... But also um, uh, music, all the music that I collected from my games is there for you can download and some sound effects and stuff that uh, I mean, it's just a lot of there's a lot of stuff there. Of course. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, I was also just uh, um, interested. It's nice that you're also local. You pointed out that we're neighbors here. And that's that's another nice factor for highlighting you. I try to, you know, represent somewhat local art and storytellers. Yeah, what's your street address? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, but we're both in like greater Seattle area. So, uh, no street addresses. <laughs> Thank you so much, Al. It's just been a pleasure having you on, and I appreciate you and all your work. Well, you're welcome. And if anybody wants to get two jokes a day, every weekday, uh, go to my website and sign up for CyberJoke3000 for the past 22 years, 23 years now, I guess. For the past 23 years, I've sent out two jokes every morning, one of which is clean. <laughs> I was so surprised it was still going because I was subscribed to this, yeah, I think, like 10 years ago. And like leading up to this interview, I had to see if it was still Recent and and they're still coming out. They're still coming to my inbox. And, and there's still no duplicates. I've, <laughs> I I make it a, a point of pride never to repeat a joke. Thank you so much, Al. You've been so gracious with your time. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Have a good day. Thank you.